Well, you all know we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And if you were here last week, we talked about when the burden became, becomes a bridge. We talked about how life is full of problems. That's what life is, one problem after another. And if you're going through, if you weren't here last week and you're going through a rough time, you may want to pick up a tape or a CD. It may help you a lot. Um, but one of the things that we've got to consider right following a sermon like that is the nature of pain. What pain does to us and how pain actually diverts us from the heavenly resources that God has for us. That is to say, the nature of the flesh, when we are in pain, is to seek other than that which is best for us. In the first place, we want just relief. We want the short-term answer. Make this stop instead of working through it to what will really help in the long term. Most of us draw inward. And so pain makes us go alone instead of naturally reaching outward and finding the resources that are so valuable. But also, pain makes us consider um, our own perspective only. And, and, and we really think it's the world. I mean, we really think that's the big perspective. This is the big picture. But it's not. Now, how can you go through these kind of problems and have a resource that's different than just you? Ah, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's what's got to be in there when the pain comes. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this is not going to be a long sermon because tonight's service is about, it's not a preaching service. I kind of learned that as the day went on. <laughs> this is, we do, I love that. Boy, I love that. I love hearing the word from God's people. I love the sacrament. I love all this stuff. But, so what I'm going to do is just delete the illustrations tonight and give you just not a preaching but a teaching. Straight out, straight stuff. Okay? So here it comes. If you have your scriptures, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And we will talk about what is the way to walk in the Spirit. Now Ephesians, you know, is the book that has really been talked about uh, by, by many Christians as the book of Christian maturity. The first three chapters of Ephesians talk about what God has done for us, period. Out our, without our help, we had nothing to do with it. It's just grace. And in the third chapter, Paul finishes by saying a prayer. God, I hope that you can know what is the height and depth and breadth of the love of, you know. And, and then in the fourth chapter, he says, therefore. <laughs> he puts his foot down and says, now we're going to talk practicalities. He says, he starts by saying in the first verse of the fourth chapter, fourth chapter, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And by the time you get to the middle of the fifth chapter, he's still saying it. In verse 15, it says this. Therefore, be careful how you walk. The word there in Greek, by the way, uh, uh, acrobos, uh, is, uh, acrobos is, is be precise, be accurate. I'll give you this in just a minute. Be, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. Let me tell you, let me tell you about verse 16 first, and then we'll go back to 15. Verse, verse 16 says... In, in essence, the, the, the literal translation is redeeming the time. In other words, all of you are given a certain amount of time. Now you, the, and it's spendable. You can, you, can, you can trade it 
for anything you want. And so what the Bible is saying, you need to spend it on what will really matter, what you'll really be glad you spend it for. Now, it starts here to talk about the dichotomy of the flesh and the spirit. Because it says the nature of the world, for the days are evil. The, word, the Greek word here is, is uh, poneros, and it means narrow, grudging. You know, it, it, it's the Greek word for, for, uh, the Greek word for evil. Uh, means taking away everything from you that it can. You know how you, when you give somebody the evil eye, you go like this, kind of narrow the eye. See, well, the Bible says that's the nature of the world. And that's the nature of pain, isn't it? To get the perspective narrow, to say only I am left, only I am going through this, only, you know? And so, and so Paul's saying, be careful. Be careful here. He's saying, you know, you got to walk precisely. The word here, let me give you a word. Let me, let me give you kind of a, a pastoral image for those of you who are brought up on a farm. Did you ever, did you ever walk through a cow pasture? You got to walk precisely, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you kind of got to, you kind of got to walk accurately. And, and, and the verb tense here is in the present tense. It means you've got to keep on walking accurately. In other words, after you get past a mess, you can't turn around and say, hmm, got past that one. Because what? There's another mess right here. And, 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 and the Bible says that's how the world is, one mess after another. And so you've got to keep on walking very precisely, very carefully. And it says, as, as not as unwise men, but as wise. Now, here's another place where, where the Bible makes a dichotomy. So there's a huge difference between worldly wisdom or fleshly wisdom and spiritual wisdom. If you have any doubts about that, you can turn to uh, 1 Corinthians, first couple of chapters of, of 1 Corinthians. And it says specifically in there, it says, you know, God did not bring the gospel to us in the wisdom of men. Or in what men count as exalted or men count as strong. As a matter of fact, he says, God intentionally used what, that which was base, that which seemed foolish. Why? Well, look in 1 Corinthians 2.5. Look what it says. So that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And then it goes on in the latter verses of that chapter. It says this. It's starting with verse uh, uh, 10 where it says that in the Spirit, searches all things, even the things of God. Then it says this, Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. See, the next verse in our text says, So therefore, walk according to the will of God. Know what the will of God is. How can you know what the will of God is? How can you know what God thinks? Only one way. You've got to have the Holy Spirit tell you. No one knows the mind of God except the Holy Spirit. And you got to have the Holy Spirit residing in you. Now, here's the good news. Look at the next verse. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Now, now let me tell you something. If you don't know it, and you probably don't because Satan doesn't want you to know it. If you have Jesus Christ living in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit residing in your heart. But the trick is for him to go from resident to president. 
Those are two different dynamics. Some of you have him resident. You've never been president. Some of you made him president for a little while because you had an experience. And you say, well, got baptized with the Spirit, got filled with the Spirit, received the Holy Spirit. Well, if you have Jesus in there, you always had the Holy Spirit. It's not like Jesus, if God is one, Jesus can't come in and say, Holy Spirit, stay out. The Holy Spirit's there, but there is a filling. There is a, there is a, there is a, uh, a control here. Now, if you have the Holy Spirit in there, then you have everything you need to be taught the mind of God. It says, it says this, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. I, I love the, 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 the literal translation is interpreting spiritual things to spiritual people. <laughs> I love that. And what's that mean? That means that you've got to decide when you get in a fix, how are you going to get out of that fix? Are you going to listen to God or are you going to listen to your own analytical powers? You see, in, in, in the Greek world, the, the origin of human wisdom always came from within. You know the Socratic method. The Socratic method is just to ask one question after another because the presupposition is you have the answer within you. You just need to go into yourself and discover it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we have the answer revealed to us by the Spirit of God from God. And therefore, when that happens, the last verse of this, of this chapter is mind-boggling. Therefore, it says, we have the mind of Christ. So, anyhow, here we are. Now, the, now, now the world... And, and the spirit are not only different. That, by the way, when I talk about the flesh, when I talk about the world, I don't mean creation. Creation's good. I don't mean your bodies. Your bodies are good. God made them good. I'm talking about the worldly ways of thinking. I'm talking about the philosophies of the world. And those are at enmity with God. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, in case you have any doubts, don't believe me, believe this. It says, Galatians 5, 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. How do you choose? How do you get filled with the Spirit? Well, the first place, when it says, therefore, know what the will of the Lord is, you've got to separate it from concepts. You've got to understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't give you just truth. It gives you God. Know what the will of the Lord is. That's the important part. I know, I know people who've tried to, who have tried to uh, uh, develop their spiritual life by having a prayer time. So they'll put down prayer and, and, they, and they miss it because that's another obligation. Try putting down God. That's the point. Getting with God, that's the point. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But the Bible says something very important, and here's what all of us need to hear tonight. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you're going to have to give up, <clears throat> you're going to have to give up some stuff. Because people who aren't filled with the Spirit fill up their lives with other stuff. You're going to be filled with something. We were made to be filled. 
That's why we're hungry. That's why we're searching. We were made to be filled. And if you're not filled up with God, you're filled up with other stuff. And chances are you aren't filled up with the Holy Spirit all the time right now. And so you are filled up with other stuff. And that's why it says in this verse, it says, um, um, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. The Greek word here is osotia. And, and, and it literally means, um, um, you know the, the term for drunkenness? I got wasted. That's what it means. It means drugs, wine, will waste your life. So much so that it, it puts you in a corner where you can't even see spiritual things. So it says, don't do that. Now, now it, it means literally, for some of you, who have a problem with alcohol. I mean, this is, this is a verse some of you need to take literally tonight. Quit getting drunk. Stop it. When he was writing to the Ephesians, and when he was writing to the Corinthians even, there was a, there was a festival they had, the festival of Bacchus. Bacchus was the god of wine. Absolutely. And so what they did is they, they, they linked drunkenness with spirituality. And, and Paul said, stop that. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you why. Because it's the opposite. Now, let's not just stay with wine, though, because some of you don't have a problem with wine per se. You have forms of wine. In other words, you have things in your life that you indulge in rather than being filled with the Spirit. You, you choose them rather than being filled with the Spirit. You choose to be filled with them rather than being filled with the Spirit. In my, in my mind, there's, there are kind of three categories of wine. Some of you have escape categories. Places where you go just to escape. You know how when you're drunk, you feel like you're escaping the pressures of the world? Of course, you're not. They're mounting up the whole time. You're just numb to them. And they're waiting there twice as bad when you get back. But it's one of the feelings, it's one of the illusions that drunkenness gives you, or drugs gives you. And so there's the escape kind of wine. And some of it isn't, isn't substance, it's, it's places. Some of you, I'm going to start to meddle here. Some of you like to fish. Now, God likes fishermen. Jesus chose fishermen. He likes fishermen. Of course, he called them away from the boats, but he chose them, started out with them. But some of you, now there's nothing wrong with fishing because, and you start out saying, oh, I like this. Ah, oh, makes me, oh, it gets, brings me close to God. But, but somewhere in your life, that started to become something you liked more and more and you thought about more and more. And somehow that was what you wanted to get to instead of the things of God, instead maybe, maybe even of your family. I, I've seen the bumper stickers on your car. <laughs> I'd rather be fishing, they say. Work is for people who do not have fish, they say. <laughs> well, again, anything can come, become your wine. It can become your substitute. It, become, it can become your spiritual experience rather than the Holy Spirit straight up. Some of you are the same way with golf. 
I mean, it started out with a game, and now it's like a compulsion. Somebody, once, somebody asked me today, if, 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 Jesus, if golf had been back then, would Jesus have chose golfers? Maybe. Maybe. But they wouldn't be on the course right now. Now, there's nothing wrong with fishing, nothing wrong with golf, nothing wrong with other forms of escape like watching TV. But you've got to know they can become your substitute for the Spirit. The schedule can, can take away the time that it would be great to spend with God. There are other forms of wine. There are control forms of wine. You've heard the term workaholic. Some of you are not comfortable unless you're at work. You've got to be producing something. You've got to be making something. You know how when you drink, it gives you the illusion that you're in control? Maybe when you snort, it gives you the illusion that you're kind of the, you know, the deal, that you're in control. It's an illusion, isn't it? You know how when you're at work, it feels like you're in control? It's an illusion. (laughs) God is in control, whether you're there or not. So there is the wine that is a control thing. Some of it's sports. Some of you just kind of, some of your, some of it, some of you think about money all the time. It may be because you don't have any. <laughs> it may be because you got a lot and you're trying to figure out how to, to invest it, but you're thinking about it all the time. You know why? Because it's a control wine. It's a, it's, 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 if I can manage this, if I can get this, I'll be in control. And so you think about money more than you think about Christ. And then there are indulgence wines. Sex is an indulgence wine. Some of you think about sex all the time as if it would help. It doesn't help, does it? And I don't mean about sex as in wanting to come become more intimate with your partner. With your spouse. I'm not talking about partner. I'm talking spouse here. <laughs> Gosh, you got to be so careful. you got to be so careful. I just, man, oh, man. I didn't have to be this careful when I started out in ministry, but I, I got to walk precisely. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we're not just talking about how to get closer to your wife or husband. We're talking about this indulgence fantasy and that's what you think about instead of about the Lord and the the thing about this as with any kind of indulgence or addiction is it doesn't make you fuller makes you emptier it feels like you're getting an experience you're just getting a bigger appetite the same is true for the indulgence of food so many of us have a food deal you know, I mean, we really, we eat when we're, 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 are you stressed? Eat. Are you happy? Eat. Are you with somebody? Eat. No, I'm not hungry, but okay, I'll eat with you. You know, <laughs> is it free? Eat. You know, are you bored? Eat. What's in your fridge? You know, eat. And, and there's, it, it numbs us to the real hunger that we have. And it thwarts the real filling that we could have. Here's what I'm saying tonight. The Bible says, do not keep doing this. It's in the present tense. 
because I want you to do this in the present tense. You got to give up. Not only in math do two negatives make a positive. Does the subtraction of a negative make a positive? It also is true in spiritual life. Got to take away the negative in order to make room for the positive. And then the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. I've gone on too long already. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. And this is an imperative. It's not, the imperative in Greek it means it's not an option. It's an order. It's an order. You understand? And it means, in the present tense, it means continually be filled with the Spirit. You know why? Because you can't say, you know, when somebody ta talks about being filled with the Spirit, you can't just be satisfied with saying, well, I got, I got filled with the Spirit on uh, July 17, 1976. You may have had an experience with the Holy Spirit. You may have been filled with the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean you're filled now with the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because we leak. <laughs> we leak. That's not my word. That's Jeremiah's word. We're like broken cisterns. And you can get filled one minute and be empty ten minutes later. So the Bible says, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? You ask. This is not rocket science. This is just for anybody. Lord, come fill me up. I want your perspective. I want your presence. I want your love. That's how I want to conduct my life. And you know what happens when you do that? Long term, you get a different character. Totally different character. What Teresa read about the fruits of the Spirit, that's who you become. Because that's who Jesus is. And when the character of Jesus is in you, that's who you become. But short term, what happens? You don't just get this little private religious experience where you feel close to God. Now that's all right. Man, all of us love to feel close to God. But you can know that it's genuine Holy Spirit when you, when you want to go love somebody else. That's why the direct verses following this being filled with the Spirit read like this. Be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Exactly what we just did. Why? Because the Holy Spirit isn't for just you. The Holy Spirit isn't just to fill you up. The Holy Spirit is to overflow you. What happened at the birth of the church? What happened at Pentecost? Man, the Holy Spirit came down and they were out the doors talking about God. Why? Because they wanted to include other people. They wanted to bless other people. Why? Because the nature of God is love. The nature of God is not ecstasy. Oh, it happens sometimes when you have the Spirit in you. I've had ecstatic experiences, wonderful experiences. But, but deeper and more abiding than that is abiding. John 15. You read the first eight, eight verses of that. And that, that's essentially being talked about the Holy Spirit. The, Jesus is saying... Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. You know what that means? That means no matter how you feel, whether you feel religious or not, whether you feel happy or not, whether you feel hopeful or not, you are abiding in Christ and you have all of the peace of the universe in your life. It may not be an ecstatic experience, but it's there. And so as we come to the sacrament tonight, that's what we're symbolically doing. We are partaking of the Lord. And we're saying, Lord, with these little bits of physical elements, 
fill us up spiritually with the nature of Christ. And let us do that together because we're family. Let me ask the the servers to come forward, the worship team to come out. And let me just ask you to partake of these elements. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, this table is open. And it, 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 we are inviting you as family to partake of these elements. If you are not yet a believer in Christ, please just let the elements pass you by. Because it really wouldn't mean anything to you. It would be just like a religious ceremony and that's, that's not what you want. You want the real stuff. But if you want the real stuff tonight, if you know that you want to become a part of the family of God, then even as these elements are being distributed, you can walk right back there. You can find somebody with a little prayer tag and they can lead you to a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's all provided It's by grace. It's a gift. All you have to do is accept it. And you could partake of communion tonight as a believer. Now, as these elements are being distributed, let me ask you of two things. First of all, when you receive them, hold them so that we can all partake together. But secondly, confess your sins. As as our sister said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me ask you to confess two things and get rid of two things tonight. One is just the the stuff you've done in the past. Let God have that. That's paid for. That's got no business hanging around your life. Get that gone. But let me also ask you to confess tonight as the Holy Spirit kind of burrows in on the barriers that you continue to build in your life. The the choices that you continue to make instead of God. And let me ask you to get rid of those tonight and choose God. Choose to spend the time. Choose to develop the relationship. Choose to continue to say, God, come and fill me up. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the maker of all things, the judge of all men, We acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past. And grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please Thee in newness of life. To the honor and glory of Thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.